Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Well, happy Easter. Good to see you this morning. He is risen. Yeah, we can celebrate that. We can clap at that. That is a great thing. Uh, Let me just ask you as we kind of get started on this Easter morning, how many of you think that you are perceptive? Right? You, you kind of notice things around, if things aren't right, if this isn't put together right, if, if this happened. Like, I, I think I'm a pretty perceptive person. Uh, some of that's my job. Like, I walk in and things are supposed to be a certain way. And I'm like, okay, that didn't get done. We need to turn that up. We need to do this. This didn't happen. Whatever. Uh, I, I, I think I'm fairly perceptive. My wife, Becky, is not perceptive. She's thorough and she works hard, but, but she doesn't notice things like I can get a haircut or I get a new shirt or something like that. Like she doesn't notice these things so I bring them up. It's like opposite, I guess, of how it usually is with guys and girls. And then I have my youngest son, Josh. Uh, he, he's kind of an enigma a little bit because he's very perceptive and not perceptive at all at the same time. Sometimes like, like our oldest son, Caleb, let's say he, he leaves for two days. Josh, after a day and a half, will come downstairs and go, hey, where's Caleb? I'm like, he's been gone for two days. Like, he's just not even aware. But then we could have watched a movie three years ago, and we watch it again for the first time in three years, and he can quote like exactly what they're going to be saying. So it's certain things stick in his mind. He's very perceptive, aware, and then sometimes just completely oblivious. What I want us to look at today is is this fact that sometimes we tend to walk through life unaware, not really perceptive of what's going on around us, not not, not perceiving what's happening around us. Sometimes we do that spiritually. We're in the, the presence of God and we don't perceive it. People around us are experiencing Jesus and the resurrection and His power in their lives and we're just kind of unaware. So so today is is Easter and and this is the day we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for some of us here today, let's just be honest, this is like the obligatory Sunday when we go to church, right? It's Easter. You you have to go to church. And and some of us, we do it. It keeps our wife happy or keeps our husband happy or or keeps our mom happy. And, And you've heard Easter sermons 15, 20, 25 years, sometimes you've heard the same Easter sermon two or three times, right? How many different ways can, can you spend Easter and talk about Easter? And, and maybe you've come into this place and you're going to check your Easter box, but you're really unaware of what this really means, the significance of the resurrection. If that's you this morning, can I just say, number one, we're glad that you're here. That's not a criticism of anybody. Uh, We're excited that you've chosen to join with us, whether you're online, whether you're in the room, one of our four services today. Most of us, again, have heard every single Easter sermon. But what I want us to do today is I want us to come in contact, to perceive, to be aware of the greatness of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. To, to be aware of him. I, I want him to, to hit us in the face in such a way to knock our life's trajectory completely off course. Because that's what happens. When you really experience the resurrected Jesus, it changes everything. 
It changes everything in a, a beautiful way. It changes the trajectory of your life. And if you're here today and you're like, well, I've experienced Jesus and I'm saved and I've experienced the resurrection, but it didn't change everything. I would ask you during these next couple of minutes to, to reconsider if you really know the real Jesus. So, so let me just kind of give you some, some background on Jesus. And this is going to be a little bit different uh, than most sermons. This isn't like three points in a poem. Right? I just want to, want to talk about Jesus a little bit and kind of uh, give you a little bit of information and background on Jesus. Number one, he was the fulfillment of over 1,000 years of Scripture. Right? All of the Old Testament pointed towards Jesus. He fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. He was born of a virgin. He amazed lifelong teachers when his parents took him to the temple when he was 12 years old. They were blown away by his knowledge and his wisdom of the scriptures. He was confirmed by John the Baptist as the Messiah. He was compassionate. He was strong. And, and I, I love that about Jesus. Sometimes I don't know how you grew up. When I grew up in, in church and the pictures of Jesus, he was always like this really pale, kind of frail looking dude. You kind of felt like if you poked him too hard, he might break. And I'm like, that's not Jesus. Right? You read about Jesus. If you've been to the Middle East, uh, first of all, most of the men are pretty tough. And number two, he was a carpenter. He was a, a man's man. He was strong. Jesus was not judgmental. He stood for what was right. He loved unconditionally, even his enemies. He was forgiving. Jesus taught ideas and principles that made the world a better place. Jesus was without sin. He was killed for his teaching and his actions. And here's the kicker. Jesus rose from the dead. Now, of all the descriptions of Jesus and everything that he did, the one that has tripped people up throughout history has been the whole resurrection of the dead, right? That, that Jesus was dead and somehow came back to life. That's been a stumbling block for millions over the years because it goes against the natural order of things. When you die, you're dead. But God is greater than the natural world. God overcomes the natural world. Jesus is alive, right? If we were to hire a consultant, let's say, you know, all the statistics, one came out this week that, that less than 50% right now of the United States claim to, to have a, a specific faith, which is a, a great decrease over the last decade, right? We used to say that so many people said that they were Christian. Now it's less than 50%. So, so let's say that as a church, we're like, let's hire a consultant to come in, a marketing specialist, to, to help us with our image. How can we convey more effectively Christianity? And, and probably one of the first things that, that consultant would say as he came in and met with us, he'd be like, okay, you know, the good man part, we like that. Principles that, that impact the world in a positive way, we like that, that he was forgiving. All those things, those play well. But you're really going to have to drop this whole resurrection thing. This whole raised from the dead thing. That, that's the one that kind of trips people up. I've heard people say over the years, and this is kind of crazy to think about, that if it were proven that the resurrection weren't true, that they would still be Christians. Now just think about that. If the resurrection were not true, that they would still be 
Christians. Listen, if the resurrection isn't true, there is no Christianity. If all you want to do is follow Jesus' moral teachings, then that's exactly what you are. You're a moralist. Just like we follow the teachings of of Gandhi or anyone like that. Jesus is God. And, And if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you really don't know the real Jesus. Because without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Jesus never claimed to be a great man. Jesus never claimed to be a good teacher. Jesus claimed he was God. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to spend a lot of time there. So if you have your Bibles, your device, whatever, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're going to be. Picking up in verse 3, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And listen to what he says. He says, I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So so Paul is saying, this is a fact, that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, just like scripture said he would. Jesus rose from the dead, just like scripture said he would. And now look down at verse 12. Now, he's kind of having this argument. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We, we even found, will even be found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he was raised, that he was the raised Christ. Uh, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Right? If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, you're wasting your time here this morning. You could have slept in. The, The Easter brunch, not that big a deal. It's just another breakfast between lunch and breakfast, right? But, but Jesus is raised from the dead. There is no Christianity. You are still in your sins without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've read your Bible at all or heard the stories maybe growing up, what you're going to find is those, even those who were closest to Jesus, didn't really get it until after the resurrection. Many of them walked with Jesus for, for those three years, some of them, his own brothers, walked with him even longer. And they didn't understand who Jesus was. They didn't perceive the resurrection and what the resurrection was going to be. It wasn't until after they saw Jesus alive that it changed everything. So let me just share a few situations with you. First of all, think about Peter. Right? Peter had what's called foot and mouth disease. Right? We like Peter because he's like a lot of us, especially us guys. We're like, you know, Peter, good thing Peter's in the Bible because I can kind of, I, I can see myself in him, probably talk too soon, probably talk too much, probably talk about things I don't really know anything about. Peter was just kind of one of those guys, kind of shot from the hip, really, really emotional. And he was a follower of Jesus and and he had some positive qualities about him. I mean, in the garden, he showed a little bit of of bravery when Jesus was arrested. Remember, he took out his sword, cut off Malchus's ear. Just kind of shows he had a bad aim, (laughs) right? Oh, the ear, that's not really what I was going for. But then he ran off. 
And then it all began to sink in what was happening, that Jesus, who he had put his faith and trust in for three years, thinking that he was going to be some kind of king, has now been arrested. And, and Peter kind of followed along in the shadows to see what was going on. And when they took Jesus to, to Festivus' house, and, and if you've been over to the Holy Land, you can go there today where they held Jesus that Thursday night and outside the courtyard where Peter was. There's a statue of Peter where he denied Jesus three times. You remember that story? Peter was, was so afraid that when a little girl says, hey, you kind of have a Galilean accent, Matter of fact, I think I recognize you. You were one of those guys with Jesus. What did Peter say? No, 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 not me. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 I've seen you before. No, it's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I know, I'm sure it's you. And what does Peter do? He cusses a little girl out just to make sure that she really understood I'm not with that Jesus guy. He, he was a coward. He, he hid from, from, from everything that was taking place. And Peter, when the crucifixion took place, ran and hid because he was afraid. He saw Jesus die and he thought it was over. But then the resurrection took place. And Peter experienced a risen Jesus. And then we read in Acts how uh, when the disciples and the followers of Jesus were in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, just like Jesus said that he would. That Peter preaches this great sermon, this Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2. And thousands of people are saved. And one of the important phrases that he says as he's presenting the gospel, he says, the man, Jesus, that you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. See, the resurrection changed everything. And then in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John heal this, this crippled man and they're going around, they're telling people about Jesus and they're arrested by the same people that killed Jesus. And listen to this conversation. Peter says, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given by men, which we must be saved. Man, something's changed in Peter. He, he was scared of a little girl. And now he's like standing up to the same people that killed Jesus. So, so they send Peter and John out and they have a discussion. What are we going to do? Hey, let's just beat them. And maybe they'll stop talking about Jesus and we'll see what happens. So they call them back in verse 18. It says, so they called them in. They charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than God, we must, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You see the courage? You see the transformation that took place, why? Because Peter experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter knew the real Jesus. Now fast forward to the end of Peter's life. Peter is arrested, 
Peter is crucified, but Peter says, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Jesus. History says that Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. Scared of a little girl in a courtyard, crucified upside down for his faith. Or or let's think about James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader in the early Christian church in Jerusalem. Anybody here have a brother or sister? You got a brother or sister? Uh, Let's just suppose that your brother or sister, when they were about, you know, 30 years old, started telling you, hey, I'm God. How many of you would believe them? Anybody? You're like, no, 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 I've been with you my whole life. I've seen everything about you. You're my, you're my brother. You slept in the bunk bed on top of me, right? You're, you're not God. The, the Bible says in John chapter 7 and verse 5 that his brothers, Jesus' brothers, did not believe in him, right? This Jesus, he's our brother. He's a good guy. I don't know that I can remember him ever really doing anything wrong, but he's not, he's not God, James, after he experienced the resurrected Jesus, became a follower of his half-brother, believes that he was God. James was stoned to death for trusting in Jesus as a Savior. He experienced the real Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and it changed everything. What about the Apostle Paul? Paul, who went by Saul before his conversion, studied to be a priest under Gamaliel, like he's like the big dog, uh, one of the top Jewish priests. He was a, a religious zealot. We've talked about him the last couple of weeks. He, was, he arrested Christians. He approved of their murder and their imprisonment. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Saul is going to Damascus to arrest Christians. And it says, but Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. It goes on there in Acts to say that, that Paul, Saul, met the real resurrected Jesus. And it changed everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, we read a little bit of it a minute ago. For I deliver to you a first importance. Now, this is the same guy that killed Christians. Says, I deliver to you a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, he's dead, but he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the twelve, the apostles, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Think about that. The resurrected Jesus uh, appearing to 500 people at once. Do you know why we're here today on a Sunday morning instead of Friday night? It's because of the resurrection. Jews to this day celebrate the Sabbath, sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening. But you know what happened? On that Sunday morning, Jesus was alive. And all the people that experienced the resurrection were like, hey, y'all want to get together next Sunday and celebrate this again? Yeah, let's get together next Sunday and celebrate this again. And then they got together and they celebrated the resurrection. And they're like, y'all want to get together next Sunday and celebrate the resurrection again? And they got together and they celebrated the resurrection again. And here we are 2,000 years later still celebrating the resurrection on Sunday morning. It changed everything. 
It says, then he appeared to James, his half-brother, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me, for I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Paul experienced the resurrected Jesus. Fast forward to Acts chapter 25. Paul has been arrested. The Jews, just like they're mad at Peter, just like they're mad at at Jesus, are are mad at Paul. They're wanting to, to have Paul killed now. The same people he used to work for are trying to kill him. And so Paul's like, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I I don't want to go before trial with the chief priests. I want to go to Caesar. So in Caesarea by the sea, this this trial is taking place, this discussion. And it says in verse 18, when the accuser stood up. So so Paul is before Festus, who is the governor, Agrippa, who is the king of that region. They brought no charge in this case of such evils as I suppose. Rather, they had certain points of dispute, talking about the Jews, with him, Paul, about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted is alive. So he's standing here on trial. You think if there's ever going to be a time to fess up and go, hey, this Jesus resurrected thing, that was kind of all a hoax. No, he's standing firm. Jesus died. They all knew that. They were there. But Jesus is alive. Paul was decapitated in Rome because he believed and followed as resurrected Jesus Christ. Let me read about what happened to some of the other apostles. Andrew, crucified. Bartholomew, beaten, then crucified. James, stoned. There were two James. James, the other James, beheaded. John, boiled in oil. He didn't die, so they just put him on the island of Patmos to live out the rest of his days. Judas, not Iscariot. There's another one. He was stoned. Matthew was speared to death. Philip, crucified. Thomas, speared to death. Matthias, stoned to death. So think about this. Right? We know historically, not biblically, historically, it's indisputable that Jesus was a real man. That extra biblical sources, not Christian sources, not the Bible, will say that Jesus was a real man who supposedly did miraculous things and that he was crucified. That's indisputable. Extra biblical material confirms this. Peter, James, Paul, the other apostles, again, historical men who paid the price of their life believing that Jesus rose from the dead, believing the resurrection to be true. Now, let's just think about this. There have been people who have died believing something was true and upon their death, it was proven that what they believed was false. Think Branch Davidian, cults, right? They're dying believing something, but the end of everything, it comes out the truth that what they believed was a lie. There's not many people, rational, sober-minded people who are willing to lay down their life for something they know is a lie. I'm not willing to. I'm not even willing to lay down my life for something I'm pretty sure is true. Anybody else here? I would have to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that this thing that I believe is absolutely true for me to be willing to die. Peter, 
James's half-brother, Paul, all the apostles, millions of Christians martyred throughout history, what? Believing with everything in them that the resurrection is true. No room for doubt. All these men and the millions of others of Christians who have died for the faith had a real encounter with the resurrected Jesus. So, so here's my question for you today. Have you had a real encounter with the resurrected Jesus? Because if you have, it changes everything. It changes the trajectory of your life. It changes the trajectory of your eternity. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm talking about the risen, resurrected Jesus. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because here's the deal. If the resurrection is true, then that means the gospel is true. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. It's good news for a reason. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned. That, that means everybody. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Say all with me right now. All. What does all mean? Everyone. It means all, right? All have sinned. Myself, the Pope, whoever you want to say. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's standard. Romans 6.23 says that the wages or the payment of sin is death. Right, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So what happens? We're all sinners. We're all separated from a holy God. His standard is perfection. The payment for sin is death. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says God showed his great love for us, not just his love, his great love for us, that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. But that wasn't the end. Jesus rose from the dead. Galatians 2.20. For those who are in Christ says that we've been crucified with Christ, that we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The life we live in the body, we live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and you and gave himself for me and gave himself for you. That's the good news. Jesus paid the penalty and payment for our sin on the cross. That was Friday. And the resurrection happened on that Sunday morning proving that he was God. Because the resurrection is true, the gospel is true. So again, have you experienced, do you know the resurrected Jesus? At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.